So this is the second part of Indigenous America. And let me just tell you right now that I hate the way I do this in here. The problem is, so I love natives, like, like the indigenous people. I, I did my, my first master's, I did my thesis, the big paper you have to write at the end. Um, I did it on the Bear River Massacre. Like, I spent so much time with Shoshones. I, I can, I, I just, I love native culture and I, I feel like we really shortchanged them. But I have 60 days to cover all of US history. We cut off a lot of it by only going about to the point that your classes here are supposed to start. And that saves us some time. But otherwise, it just like I just hate the way it ends up. But I, I guess it is what it is, just like it is not advancing. Hey, so here we are. We tend to categorize American history by looking at the people before Columbus and people after Columbus, because things changed a lot when Columbus came, right? The problem is that when we make those categories, when, when we look at natives just from this perspective, then we're like, oh, you know why they matter? They matter because they're here when Columbus comes. We like erase them until they meet Europeans. And that's, that's problematic. I mean, it's obvious why that's problematic, right? We're ignoring entire cultures. People who lived and died and fell in love and had kids and uh, loved their parents and missed their grandmother. And, you know, we, we reduce them all to, oh, yes, you don't count till you meet Europeans. And that, that's, it's not good. But at the same time, again, we have to cover American history. How do we do that? I'd love it if we had a whole class just on Native history. We could go through the different periods of the Anasazi. I mean, that would be awesome, but we don't and we can't, so... Here we are. So the, the answer to that first question has to do, what's the problem with categorizing indigenous people? The problem is that we treat them like they only matter when they meet Europeans. It's kind of like old movies. You know the old movies that only have women in it in relation to men? You notice that? Like, you're watching this movie, and, and the only point of even having women in the movie is to fall in love with the male characters. You're like, wait a minute, half our population's women. Why are they getting ignored? We try not to do that in history. But sometimes the story we have to tell has to work. So why do we still use it? How come it still gets used by historians knowing this? To what I have in front of you, it, well, tell me, what's in front of you? It's a chart of what? Population of whom? Uh, yes, the Taino. They're the native residents of the island of Espanola, the island where Columbus landed. Okay, so you know, you all have a few dates memorized. This is an advanced class, so you all know Columbus sailed the ocean blue in what year? Yeah, good, 1492. 
because it rhymes. It's easy to remember. Okay, so Columbus is there, 1492. 1492, how many Taino were there? About 8 million. I loved how a lot of you were like, I'm not going to read that whole number. Uh, by 1496, what happened? Half. Yeah. Cut in half. What happened to them? Mostly sick. They mostly died from diseases because Europe is shaped like this, right? Europe, Eurasia. And so when a disease develops in Europe, if it develops in, say, China, it can spread all the way across. And it can infect a lot of people. You know that the environment mostly works in bands going with latitude. So it can infect lots of people. Where if a disease develops in Mexico City, what's now Mexico City, it's not going to be an effective disease up here. It's going to hit the winter and crap happens. So diseases weren't as robust here. They just weren't as advanced. Isn't that kind of weird? Europeans were able to take over the world because their diseases were more advanced. Okay, so they get sick and they start dying. How long is it before they're almost completely dead? How many years? 50 years. Within 50 years, it's hard to meet a Taino. How many are there now? I'll give you a hint. You don't need any fingers. Yeah, they are all dead, 100%. You won't see them anymore. So why do we still, even knowing that if we categorize people this way, it can be problematic, we still do it because of this. Because it's really easy and it's really effective to compare them before Columbus and after. Because their entire culture is going to change. On the Mississippi River, these people, we call them the Mississippians. They lived, they built these cool mounds. I'll show you a picture of them if I remember on Monday. These really cool mounds um, where they buried their dead. They traded all the way from New Orleans clear up to Pittsburgh. They knew their way around, and they communicated, and they did all this really elaborate trade. Uh, none of your ancestors, unless your ancestors were Mississippians, ran into these people. Not when they were full, because the diseases came out before the other. So this is, this leads to an immense, enormous, and sudden reduction in native population. And this is why we still use pre-Columbus and post-Columbus, because of this mass death that comes. Did Columbus mean to cause this? No. And in fact, you know, blaming Columbus himself is probably unfair. This is lots of people. All right. Now we're to what we call a pan-Indian identity. This is the second kind of general thing before we get into the bulk of the lesson. Pan-Indian identity means, pan means across. So this is like all natives being the same. So look at this picture. This is a still from a movie called Buffalo Bill Cody. What do you notice in this picture, in this movie? How were they seeing natives back in the 50s? They're super stereotypical. Yeah, in what way? 
They do. We, we have a kind of these are savages kind of thing going on here. What else? Oh, excellent. Good. They're all the same. And that is the key. That is the key. It's like the costume designer just went to the store and is like, I need an Indian costume. What's wrong with that? Good. Yeah, there's multiple people and they dress multiple ways. They don't all dress exactly the same. They don't look exactly the same like these people do. They look way, way different. They had different lifestyles, different ways of thinking, different religions, different whatever. So pan-Indian means across. It means all the Indians are treated the same. But they're not. We have lots of different tribes doing lots of different things. And we lose a lot. So I have two illustrations here. Okay, on the left we've got a Scottish dude playing bagpipes. On the right, we've got the gondolier leading some, is that a romantic couple? I didn't even look. No. Yeah, probably. Guiding some couple through a romantic tour through, through Venice, right? These are not the same culture. They don't speak the same language. They don't act the same. Their ancestors aren't the same. They don't wear the same clothes. If we treat them like they're the same, we lose out on something cool. We lose out on understanding the really cool background of these people. So the reality is more like this, if you look at these, these images. So top left, you've got uh, the Shoshone there with their teepees. And there is close to here. On the right top, you have, I don't remember which tribe this is from, sorry, um, but they're from the Pacific Northwest. And you see they carve these elaborate totem poles and build the elaborate kind of ha group housing. Now the bottom, the bottom left, we have some Seminoles. Where are they from? I know someone knows, sports fans. Where are the Seminoles? No? Florida. Hey, so they're, they're kind of in these grass houses because plants grow super easy in Florida. So they've made their houses out of plants. And there at the bottom right, we have some Sioux. When you ask a little kid to describe an Indian, they're describing Sioux. That's the way it is. So that's the reality. Now, what is their lifestyle based on? Looking at this, what do you think? Good, yes, their environment, why? Why is their lifestyle based on their environment? Boom, yeah, the resources available. They have different food. So here, the Shoshone lived here. It's not easy to gather food here. It takes intense agriculture, and even then we can't grow as much as other places can. So the Shoshone here, they didn't grow to be as huge, as numerous as like 
the Pacific Northwest, where there's so many resources, so much stuff going on. Now, we're going to look at just the eastern tribes. The rest of the lesson, we go through these eastern tribes and we see what it was like. So first, I got to apologize for this. This, this uh, image is just totally wrong. Um, it's actually some Arapaho, which is a Plains tribe. Um, but I was in a time crunch, so I just included it. Because it illustrates fairly well how people lived. So we're talking about eastern indigenous children. For starters, most of them did not wear clothes. Little kids. I mean, picture like toddlers toddling around. Uh, they don't partly because they want to teach them that the world doesn't owe them anything. So we, in our society, we have this idea that we should always be comfortable. So it's kind of cold outside and we're like, oh, it's cold, oh, I'm gonna whine about it forever. Right? Or it's too hot, and it's like, we, we want it to be 72 degrees exactly, and never change from that. Where these eastern tribes, they're more like, listen, you know, does, does the rabbit expect it to be exactly the perfect temperature? No. They understand that sometimes it's cold, sometimes it's warm, and they, they deal with it. So the kids end up growing up to be fairly tough. Uh, Discipline-wise... Most people expect the natives to have been very harsh. Uh, they were not. These eastern tribes, they were pretty uh, relaxed towards their kids. Uh, in fact, they were punished the same way you are, primarily by being lectured. You know, someone sitting there and in whatever language in Seminole, they said, hey, what were you thinking doing that? I don't know if you've ever had that lecture from one of your parents. I know I did. I know I've given it a few times. What were you thinking? So that's, that's one of the ways they did. They would also shun them. What that means is you just ignore them for a little while. I don't know if your parents have done that to you, been like, listen, I love you, but don't talk to me for the next 20 minutes. So they, they had... They had all of this stuff. Their, their discipline wasn't real harsh. You're not, like, you're not looking at beatings and things like that. You're looking at kids who uh, are pretty well-loved and reared by a standard that we today understand quite a bit. Hey, there's a third thing. I've got to remind myself what it was. Oh, yeah, they didn't have a lot of work responsibilities. They didn't have a lot of chores. Children are naturally curious, and they'll come and learn if you just let them. Here in Western society, we have to force people to learn for some reason. I don't know why we do it the way we do. Hey, so moving on, before we talk about the rites of passage, you have to know what they are. So this is a graduation a few years back, Box Elder High School, which you figured out already. You know, you can see your teachers there. Some of them. That's at Weber State. Yeah, so there they are doing all their graduation stuff. At the beginning of the ceremony, what were the people wearing purple? This is a fairly easy question. Yeah, they're students. 
at the end of the ceremony, what are they? Yeah, good. Yes, they're graduates. So a rite of passage then is a ceremony where you change from one age grade, where you change from one thing to another. From being a young, young, like a teenager to being an adult. Or you change from being not a member of a group to being a member of the group. So the rites of passage. We have just a few of them. First children. Now, not all the tribes are the same. So not all of them do the same thing. Most of them had some kind of baby ceremony where they kind of got the baby used to things. Uh, the Shoshone in this area used to rub them with snow. They'd strip them naked and rub them with snow to teach them not to feel the cold. Uh, I'm pretty sure they still felt it, but they were tough, those Shoshone. Uh, back east, most of the eastern tribes would rub them with oil to kind of, I guess our word would be anoint them, get them ready uh, to understand their place in the world, an oil made with animal fats. Uh, most of them would name their babies only by the family name at the beginning. It wasn't until you were older and started to exhibit your own personality that you got your own name. And often the, that name came from some aspect of your personality, something that you did. Now, so you got your clan name, and they just call you, you know, Mackley Baby. And that's your name until you have enough experience to have your own name. Uh, for young women, uh, most of the tribes back east would do a womanhood ceremony when she had her first menstrual cycle. They would put her in a tent or a cabin. Uh, she'd stay there and be taken care of by the adult women in the village for a number of days. They'd give her some kind of medicine, some other things, help her through it. Um, and then at the end, they would put adult clothes on her. So she'd come out and she was an adult in the community and that announced that she was prepared for marriage. It is young. Yeah, I saw that face. Yeah. <laughs> it is young by some standards and not others. Those of you with European ancestors, your ancestors in this time period mostly didn't get married till they were 28 or 29 on average. Unless they were royalty, then they married at like 12. Uh, to be a, a man, then, usually you became a man when you killed your first big game. This wasn't just a matter of, of killing it. It was a matter of showing that you could survive. As an adult, usually you had to do your hunting with tools that you'd made yourself. Uh, a similar ceremony uh, the Shoshone did in this area, what they would do is the young man, when he's like, I'm, I'm big enough to be a man, he goes off into the wilderness. So picture, you know, you're here by Box Elder Creek with, with your little village, about 30 people. And you or your brother or whatever are like, I'm going to be a man now. So you head off into the mountains. You're up by Manaway. You go around. You got your bow and arrow. You got your, uh, your clothes and whatever. And you try to survive. You survive long enough to carve a flute you make yourself a flute and you teach yourself to play it 
So we're talking maybe a month here. Then you come back down, you sit right outside the door of the girl you like, and you start playing that song that you made up. If she comes out, you're married. If she doesn't, you've just been, you've been rejected, bro. Like, I'm sorry. I don't know, I honestly don't know what happens if she has to go to the bathroom. Like, I don't know if she could call, come out and be like, time, time out. I don't like you. I just got to go. But you know they had some kind of system. They had some kind of thing where she could reject him, and that would be hard, I'm sure. But that's the way, that's the way it goes. So at the beginning, you're not a man. At the end, you're a man. Make sense? Uh, just if you're curious, what about teenagers? Teenagers were invented in the 1950s. Teenagers were invented so that they could sell clothing to you guys. That's, that's why it happened. Yeah, Teens, the whole concept of teenagers was made up. Uh, what had, they saw girls started to take their mom's dresses, cut off the tops, and sew a poodle on them. And then they're like, we could sell poodle skirts to girls. And so they started to market things to teens. Weird, right? Like, we, we tend to think the way we do things is the right way. That's why we did that weird acronym yesterday. Um, so that you understand that in most of the history of the world, it just hasn't worked that way. Hey, questions? So you're researching your own tribe, right? I mean, not, maybe not. Maybe it is your own tribe. I don't know. Uh, but you're researching any tribe that you want. Do you have questions about that assignment right now? I haven't got to that. You're just fine. So you're going through the different aspects of culture that you learned yesterday. The, um, like, how do they get their food? How do they, what do they do for shelter? What's their system of marriage and everything? You're choosing one pre-Columbian tribe. And you're going to explain how they did those things. Uh, the Mississippians are super fascinating, pretty easy. Um, a lot of people like to do the Navajo, the Pueblo. The Pueblo are the ones that we usually call the Anasazi. Um, Pueblo is a better name for them. Anasazi means ancient enemies. That's the word the Navajo use for them. Uh, so Pueblo's pretty easy if you want to, if that's what you're looking for. Tlingit is good. T-L-I-N-G-I-T. It might be L-I-T at the end. I have to look it up every time. Uh, I got asked a few times, do you need citations? Yes, you should cite things. If you already started it and you haven't been citing things, don't worry. Um, but I'm going to show you how to do it really easy. So I will stop this.